What up, homie? I, you know. What are you laughing about? Uh, the, you got the giggles? Yeah, your sausage fingers. Shats and giggles? <laughs> My sausage fingers? <laughs> you got your can't, Johnson Phil brats over there. Can't hit the freaking send button. <laughs> Why can't I oh start gosh. the watch party? Why do I keep it? <laughs> oh my gosh. You silly man. <laughs> That was kind of lame. Ki I'm kidding. I know you, you don't have sausage fingers. I think I do. I don't know, dude. Man, I find people listening I, can't see I, my sausage yeah, fingers. Yeah, I find that the the longer and longer I climb, man, my hands have just got my fingers get just fat, like dude, fat fingers. I had a friend named Billy. Billy Ho. Actually, his DJ name was Three Dollar Bill. <laughs> For real, Dollar Dollar Bill, y'all. And uh, anyways, That's waited awesome. tables with a guy. And uh, he was a DJ, and he would scratch, and he actually had a like a muscle right here that he could that flex. nobody else had. He had the scratch muscle huh? that he could flex. Remember, he, last time we were talking about my swipe muscle. You're right. Yeah, swipe game strong. Yeah. Sadly, yeah, I, I swipe so much. I gotta. I say this to your fat shame. Fat swipe muscle. <laughs> I know. I resemble that comment. <laughs> Sweet deal. Well, Salted Dogs podcast. Here we are. Yeah. We've got a. What have you been up to, Casey? Uh, what have I been up to? Um. Man, just uh, do gearing up, man. We're thirty days out. We are from from Ascension Ministries trip. Hey, we get a little taste of the uh, camping action this weekend too, don't we? Yeah. Aren't you excited about that? I am excited. You guys were like, "Do you guys got you guys hopped on the group message?" They're like, "Oh, it looks like rain." I was like, "Come on!" I was like, "I told Jason, I said you're not hardcore unless you live hardcore, bro." You know. And uh, no, other than that, I'm getting excited for that, man. Been training. So once I get. Once I know something, like, especially for a competition or whatever, like, 30 days out is about where I start really cleaning up the diet and cleaning up. Yeah. I'm on know. day two of my cleaning it up yeah, and no, doing the thing. No sodas, no sugar, you know, cut cut the diet down. No fast food, no anything, man. Just kind of eat super clean. And cut out that soda. Yeah, soda. <laughs> cut out that three-piece and soda. Oh, my gosh. And, um, but, man, no, I'm getting that's I'm getting funny. excited. Yeah, super excited for that that's trip. That's cool. Yep, See what that's like. Colorado. Yeah. Yep. And you've been, haven't you? You've Many been all times. over the freaking place. What's the most beautiful place in the world you've ever oh, man, uh, experienced? Man, that's, that's such a hard question. If we're sticking Colorado, I love Southwest Colorado, like the San Juan Mountain Range, a little bit more remote. Never been there, uh, but I might this, have to go. We're going Gorgeous. to the Phantom Terrace. You know where that's at? No, I don't. It's in... Sangre de Cristo oh, Mountain yeah. Range. Okay. It is. I have been through there. Uh, what, Westcliff. Westcliff, okay. Colorado. Yep. Yeah. So Very cool. Yeah, last... Uh, not last episode, but the episode before that, we did one called Mountains, Caves, and Ministry. Oh, I didn't even tell you about the ministry, did yeah, I? Yeah, we talked. No, we have talked about okay. that. So I'm, yes. I'm tracking. I must have been yeah. drunk when we had that conversation. Oh, no. It was a joke. Was okay. A joke. But poor. poor <laughs> too soon. Poorly executed. Too soon. Too soon. Too soon. Yeah, yeah, maybe. So, no, give us one, <laughs> give us one um, exotic spot in the world that you've been to. Uh, you know, I mean, I lived in South Africa for a while. Exotic, so... not erotic. Yes, yeah, I'll okay. stick with the exotic. I mean, I'll yes. tell you that the <laughs> way way out in the middle of the desert, um, off in the brush, like the stars at night were there was like more white in the sky than than dark. It's just awesome. it's holy, moly. undescribably beautiful. Dude, the so. other day, have you ever heard the phrase "star rise" as in like sunrise? No, no. I said that the other day. I said, "Wait for star rise," huh. and I was like, "Oh, I've never said that." But when we say sunrise, we're actually saying star rise. Our wow. tweet. Isn't that an interesting way to think it about is, it? It is a star rising. Have I just blown your mind? No, I mean, I mean, it's kind of not cool. really. Although, yeah, you well, could argue. That's like a six. Man, that's you, like a six I'll on the mind blowing. I'll phrase. tell you this. Yeah. Like when I, whenever I was in, um, <laughs> whenever I lived in Hawaii, <laughs> when, uh, 
Whenever I lived in Hawaii, Hawaii. Uh huh. When we did a training, we do like a, a yearly training session on the Big Island, right? A lot of volcano and stuff. And uh, so we go out there for like I think two weeks or whatever. Um, and driving through, we'd have to drive because they'd make us do like you know um, reenact like night missions and stuff like that. So we'd mm-hmm. have to drive the Humvees down these these roads with our with our NVGs. And I'll tell you, like when you're out there. And with your with the night vision goggles, you look up, you can see absolutely every single star in the sky. Dang, that's it is mind blowing. Yeah, because yeah. there's no mm-hmm. light, there's no light out there, and so it picks up ambient light. And so when there's no light out there to wash out, like you're out in the top of the, these these mountains, these essentially these volcanoes, it's ridiculous. And you look up, and you're like, dude, dude. Like, yeah, yeah. You know, awesome. you know what makes me sad yeah, sometimes, awesome. man. Like, you know, you you can't blame people. Because some people grow up in in cities and neighborhoods and families and different um, levels of society, and they may not get the opportunity to travel and see the world. And right. mm-hmm. um, I worked with a guy one time, and he was talking about this one lady who was a manager in a restaurant. And he said she has small world syndrome, but mm, basically it's, the it's idea that yeah. yeah, basically the idea that all she knew was the restaurant world, and so she had a big head in the small world kind of thing. But anyways, it it kind of makes me sad when people like they get so into their world. It's like tunnel vision mm-hmm. and they think that there's nothing else out there, but bro, the world is so big and huge. Yeah. And like, can, there's so much to see in this world that we can never see any, everything. Yeah. And yeah. like, you could even build upon the beauty that you do see like, Oh, mm-hmm. we went there and that was amazing. You go to another place. It's even more amazing. You go to another place. Mm-hmm. It's even more amazing. And it just, right. well, I then, wish more people had the opportunity to like travel and see things like that. And then you add in the dynamic that like, so that world is also dynamic. Yeah. And it's changing. And so you can Whoa. go see this infinite, like, like there's no, there's no possible way, even if you went back to the same exact spot, like looks right. the same. in the, see, in a microcosm, like our literal, our gardens in the front yard are different every single morning. Hmm. I'm and sorry. So, I'm like, sorry. Who are you? Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. So yeah. I was, so I was gonna, I was going to invite over there huh? or not invite. I was going to introduce Mike. <laughs> I'm sorry. Where did you come from? Yeah, this guy, I just, just wandered appeared. in. <laughs> yeah. We just kind of, just kind of wandered in. Thought no, I just so pop in. So <laughs> what are you guys doing? So this is Mike Clifford and Mike Clifford was on season. Dude, that was one of my hands down favorite, favorite episodes we've so ever done. I was going to yeah. say That's from, awesome. from the man Experi- who brought you the ex- episode, experiencing God through ecology, we bring you Mike Clifford. And today we're talking about experiencing God through Scientology. So, Take it away. <laughs> That's not what I signed Put up for. Put on your professor hat, bro. That's yeah, right. right. <laughs> tell, tell me, Tom Cruise, <laughs> what is Scientology all about? So what's the difference between Scientology and Christian science? Because they're two different things, aren't they? Uh, I think they're two. I honestly couldn't answer the yeah. question, but I think they're two totally different okay. things. Yeah. Well, that's not I'm really assu- why you're I'm here. assuming yeah. that Christian science has a lot to do with the uh, the science yeah. well, side of things. If you look at the uh, cytoplasm <laughs> and the, uh, the plankton, um, yeah, anyways. So Mike's back with this. Mike, Mike Clifford. <laughs> Clifford Mike. Oh, man. Mike, I'll, I'll just tell you this, man. You're one of the smartest people we've ever had on the show. Next to me. No, but seriously, yeah, I'm just, Kay- I'm kidding. Casey's a smart guy. Not, Casey's well yeah, read, Casey, yeah. but Mike probably has yeah. the most experience in traveling the world and academia. Just tell tell people what oh, you man. do, and, yeah. and obviously, like we're not saying, oh, Mike Clifford, you know, oh, we're not worshiping you, but you've done <laughs> pre- some cool stuff. I appreciate that, and you're smart. <laughs> And you're That's a smart a bad, guy. It's gonna bad like, juju no, for you. Get up! Don't uh, kneel. I'm yeah. I'm a fellow brethren, just like you. <laughs> brethren, I'm, brethren, I'm, I'm brethren, brethren, brethren. Be at peace, bro. Brethren, brethren. Uh, brethren. Is that how? <laughs> is that how the angels in the message version like they would bow down? They're like breh, breh. No, I, I, I don't <laughs> think so. Breh. I, I don't hey, think what do so. they say in uh, South Africa? Brew. 
Uh, Do you remember I this? I don't think they... That wasn't a... Th- like, calling people bro wasn't really a thing. Oh, okay. Then... You were in the classier part of South, <laughs> South Africa. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know about that. You weren't Man, in the I neighborhood in the... where they were saying, what up, bro? I lived in the bush, like, among yeah, animals um, and things. I don't... They weren't they really like, bruh, bruh. <laughs> Giraffe walks so, by like. Hey, so you've worked with really animals. I'm pretty sure you've yeah. practiced animal calls. Oh God, I uh, I am. I have yes. So what would you say is your best call? And I'm going to ask you just do it on the show. Oh, it's hands down. It's black rhino for sure. All right, let's yeah, do black rhino. No, no doubt. So I mean, you got him, dog. You get that's it. Spot on. <laughs> wow. Don't even need to do it. Dang, wow, first dude. time. So good. Uh, <laughs> I am sorry. We didn't even I let apologize. him explain what he does. No, I apologize. I don't need it's for it's my irrelevant. racial insensitivity towards black rhinos. Yeah, black <laughs> black rhinos matter. Lives. Um, wow, they do. That I. I'm sorry. Did they I cross do. the line? We're, hey, Mike, Mike's our guest. See, you can tell this is my training. Is I'm like, you guys are misunderstanding why they're called black and white rhinos. Like the, <laughs> the. It's yeah. It hurts me inside as a. So we're, we guy. really are going to let you have the yeah. floor now. Yeah, describe, describe really it sorry because nobody knows, because, yeah. I mean. Yeah, and then do the black I mean, rhino. I can, okay. So, yeah, I can do, and then I'll explain the difference between why they're called black and white rhinos, because it has nothing to do with their color. Wow. They're actually the same color, surprisingly enough. Yeah. Well, I'll explain that first, because why not? So, <laughs> white rhinos were a mistranslated Portuguese word for wide-lipped. So, if you look at a white rhino, it has a, like, they actually eat grass, so they have a wide lip. Black rhinos have a prehensile lip, and so they uh, they browse. They eat trees and shrubs and stuff like that. So nice. basically, they mistranslated white, you know, instead of wide. And then they were like, "Well, if that's a white rhino, then we'll call that a black, black rhino." Right. What's and the there opposite you go. of a white rhino? Oh, yeah, learn something new every day. What's the opposite so of a wide-lipped rhino? Rhino, uh, a small, narrow-lipped. Narrow. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. So, prehensile. so, Anyways, so, so what, yeah. what would you say your title, like your as far as your occupation is. Yeah. So I, I do two different things. So in the animal world, I am the curator of innovation and partnerships for GLMV zoos. So my job is to work with aquarium zoos and conservation organizations to help rethink and enhance the way that we do our work to ultimately change human behavior to preserve species in wild places. Do you enhance, do you enhance their, enhance their living spaces as well? Is that part of it? Yeah. Like to be more, I guess more like, specific about that right right yeah so we have i mean our bread and butters we we do exhibit design and so we're always looking to improve the The uh the living conditions and that actually honestly might be some stuff we we touch on today because there's a lot of fascinating science in in designing spaces for animals to thrive and ultimately like i would argue that the invitation into god's kingdom is an invitation to thriving we just don't know how to design that opportunity oh snap and so I think there's deep, I think there's a lot of connections. We if we go there, we go there. But, Buckle your seatbelts, please. Uh, yeah. So we do that, and then uh, my my past career actually worked hands on with animals. So was lucky enough in ten ten or so years to be in different places around the world and work in zoos and work with about a little over four hundred exotic species um, across wild, the board. Bro. So wild. Uh, and That's then I'm the sweet. executive director for Capacity Ministries, and we do discipleship and formation training for Christian leaders. So, so. what's your website? Where can people look at that? That'd be capacityministries.com. You can Great. go check it out there and, yep. and, uh, and see be what we're doing. You know what's legit is that they have a .com at the end of it. .com, yeah. yeah. Have yeah. you been to India? No. No? We'd love to. You want to go with Jason and I? Sure. All right. Let's go. That Let's was easy. Yep. Yeah. All right. So, black rhino noise. 
Yeah. So this is a <laughs> Are we, like is he gonna do this? Yeah. Twenty five hundred to three thousand pound animal, you know, maybe a little more. So keep that in mind. Big, angry, what people think. But the way that they as long as this this is not their angry call, this is their communication call. Are you ready for this? Is yeah. it gonna be loud? You need, might need to back off the mic. It won't be loud. It <clears throat> won't okay. be loud. So big animal. I wish you could like we should have pre had a picture or something, but that's okay. That's true. We probably could have gotten one. <clears throat> so here we go. <laughs> there you go there you go black rhino black folks rhino. you heard it on the there salty talks podcast black I mean, rhino all right. and it's probably dead on we're breaking ground here it, it wasn't your my best, best but it was pretty good <laughs> it, was, it was pretty good <laughs> i've done better but like okay yeah i've had better yeah, yeah. Right, that's fine so but it was good really it's had pretty to, accurate really had so to Google, warm up the vocal cords yeah it's, uh, it's a different kind me, of me 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 and black rhino so you probably need to go to google and then just type in black rhino call yeah and then Listen to that, and then rewind and listen to Mike. Yeah, and then we'll see how he did. See, yeah, yeah. let me know. Rate mics, rate mics, black, Rhino, Black Rhino, Rhino call. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, so. that's a first. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Rate my mating call. <laughs> see how he just adds words I know, that just I didn't going. add. Yeah, like, it just keeps going. Hey, never stop. We have to cut it off. You know, that's awesome. So sweet. So we got a sweet topic today. I think anyway. Um, uh, we're titling it the the disruptive nature of God. Disruptive uh, nature. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How do we want to dive into that? I don't know. Well, Mike thoughts. and I were talking because we were talking about um, actually the study that they did. Mike, you go. You can go ahead and talk because you were the one that actually read it. So yeah, I mean, we were talking about like you know, obviously with coronavirus stuff going around, like is really messing with people's lives uh, in in such a variety of different ways. And so the study we were talking about that was really fascinating was you know right like right when all this stuff kind of started um, forcing people to work remotely and work from home, you know, you saw all the articles about, oh, I love being in my pajamas and I love not, you know, having to do this kind of stuff. And, but now like we're starting to see a little, little bit further into it, people that are like, they're working longer hours, they're more stressed, they're more frustrated. They're like, all of the rhythms of their regular lives are so disrupted that they're not doing well like their human person is just not in good shape and position and and so what we were chatting about was you know we we all have these like in our normal lives we have these habits and we have um patterns and things that have been adopted and integrated into our life for a reason things like commuting to and from work right we don't think about it but it's actually your your brain knows this is a time to go to and prepare and a time to decompress from from mm. And so there's all these things like that, and there's hundreds and hundreds of them, and there's you know thousands of kind of micro interruptions that we get all day, and micro interactions and things like that. Microaggressions. Yeah. Yeah. I mean that's totally. like, <laughs> <laughs> and so you get, you know, we hit a stage now, and uh, and all that stuff is disrupted. Disrupted. Yeah. Hmm. And so then we wonder like, why is this going on? And then we we're talking about how, uh, you know, faith is. There's so many parallels to faith. And the way that God works and the way that things happen, uh, that it just, I mean, I'll kind of just kick, maybe start there before diving too much deeper, but that's some, that's where we started talking. Yeah. Let me, let me throw an idea out there. Throw it out there. First, and then we can maybe play off of that or go a different route. But, you know, we, it's interesting that we would say the disruptive nature of God and that word in and of itself is kind of a negative word for us. Like you disrupted me, right? Like Casey, you said, mm-hmm. oh, what time are you going to get there today? I'm like. 
you know, 630, except I came at five and I told you 630 because I didn't want you to disrupt my workflow. Right. I'm a total jerk and I lied to you and I apologize, but not really. <laughs> I do disrupt. I do dis. Yeah. You don't like being disrupted. I don't like sure. being disrupted, man. But it's interesting though, that we mm-hmm. would say, well, it's the disruptive nature as though God's intervention in our life yeah. causes a disruption and shakes the normal and shakes our comfort. And so I think that's, re- it's really interesting that we named it that because it's actually, actually something like the, um, um, I mean, what is God doing? He, he intervenes and then he changes things for the better. Right. So What's like the mm-hmm. positive word for that? I mean, I, is it so intervention? I, intervention. Intervention could be. I mean, I hear what you're saying too, but I, I really think disruptive, disruptive as a word is not positive or negative. Oh, okay. Just the way like, that we interpret it's it. It's the way that we're interpreting that word. Uh, I mean, a disruption. So like, think about in the tech world, right? Like disruptive technologies. Yeah. That's a positive term. Like it's, it causes change, but it's not necessarily associated as like, this is bad. In right. some ways, especially in the tech like world, it. we would assume a it's it. a good thing. We need yeah. disruptive Disrupting the industry, like, but yeah. changing it for the better, causing people to yeah. fall in line or catch up or do something. Mm-hmm. I like that, Mike. I'm not an IT guy, so. Did you, Casey, when you entered into the tree climbing world, did you disrupt the competitive scene with your presence? I mean. You became a contender pretty quick. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't think. My presence was was known, you know what I mean? Like I won, like the first competition that I entered in, I won the apprentice bracket and won a bunch of gear and stuff. Yeah. And obviously my mentor was super proud of me. I wouldn't say disruptive necessarily. You know. He's taking the humble route. Well, I mean, anymore, yeah, dude, because I remember times where, you know, it, it it's easy to become arrogant, I think, and especially um, without noticing you know, especially when something that you do is so cool and, you know, and anymore tree, com- tree climbing isn't cool to me anymore. Tree climbing mm-hmm. is a, an energy giving thing, you know, a, a vocation that, that I've been blessed to have. And so as mm-hmm. my mind changes, but on the, on the, on, on the topic of disruption, I just, you know, and, and especially talking about the pandemic or what would we say a crisis, you know, and I think that that's a negative connotation there. And I think that only breeds fear. Um, but the disruption in our spiritual lives. I think a lot of people, and especially, you know, people that have natural bents towards like Jason or like other people that I know in my life that my dad, you know what I mean? That are like type A, you know, Mm -hmm. really like have a real grasp on controlling things, having a timetable, a schedule, you know? And I think if we're not careful, I think a lot of times um, we, we can fall into that spiritually and, you know, yeah, for sure. And we fall into a rhythm you know, we fall into yeah. Yeah. just well, doing we would call it we, complacency, right? Like that's well, kind of the term Christians will use. Like I don't know complacent. because a lot of Christians would say that that's that that's stability, right? And and to, and um, just being stable all the way through. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I just man, I I just don't think that you know when we fall into that into into just going through the motions. I think that man, a, a disruption is is completely necessary. I believe. Yeah. You know, and and what he and the way that he does it, especially so lovingly and so caringly, or with with so much care. Yeah. And tenderness, and you know, he's exact in everything that he does. He's exact in the wounds that he administers for the healing, and um, I think it's it's needed. It really is, mm-hmm. and although we don't see it that way sometimes, you know. And we have yeah. whatever things. You, you get shaken up, and then all of a sudden you're left with, 
you know, like, like you're saying about people are like, Oh, I love this. And then, you know, and then monotony starts setting in and yeah, it's just a, it's a different, you start taking a different path. Yeah. It's a path that you've never known. And that incites fear because it's a feeling of lostness, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. you know, and trying um, to figure out how to navigate the new, the new route, the new trajectory. Yeah. So I, I yeah. often say when I talk about my conversion experience, if you want to put the Christian words on it, when, when I met the Lord, when he introduced himself to me, um, I always talk about how everything changed and that literally that interaction with him, that experience, that introduction shifted the trajectory of my life mm-hmm. in, in a good way. And so it's as though he intervened or he disrupted my life at that point and then moved me on a new path. Yeah. And I always talk about how uh, it's... I had to look it up, but it's Newton's law of motion, right? So an object at rest will remain at rest until acted upon by an equal opposing force, right? Yeah. So yeah. we are this object mm-hmm. at rest, essentially, and the Lord comes in and he knocks us into a trajectory. And I think that's a beautiful disruption. We see that in uh, Saul's conversion, right? His, right. Mm-hmm. Or Paul. Paul's, whatever, Saul's yeah. conversion. Yeah. Well, you know, what's interesting is I was writing about, you know, which I still haven't, I still haven't. Get on it, bro. I know, but Get your ride I was on. reading about, you know, this is all experiences from the cave. And I was, I was reading about um, what happens to a, a human's mind or, you know, their, their cognitive function once they're in the dark too long. Well, what happens is, you know, um, as human beings, what's been passed to, down to us from our ancestors, you know, uh, cavemen, like, you know, just all the way back, you know, all the way back, we have that natural um, ability to navigate, you know, and what happens when we enter the subterranean realm is that we no longer see or have any bearing because we lose the sun, we lose the stars, we lose the light, we lose the horizon, we even lose our own shadow. Mm. And so what happens is in that state, it's a state, it, 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 it brings up like a fear, I guess, because it's mm. your primal nature. Yeah, survival. Right? Exactly. And so what they're finding is that the mind, kind of like your your eyes, when your mm-hmm. eyes dilate to adjust to the dark, yeah. your mind dilates mind to adjust. Yeah. And so what happens is like there's hallucinations and things like that because your mind has lost any sense. Mm. And so now it's scrambling and it's firing yeah. off. To try and figure out a point of reference Exa- or a, a point, point of an reference. anchor point. Exactly. Yeah. And so that's what... That's what mm. But, and they were saying that either being lost or the feeling of lost can either invoke panic and anxiety, or it can actually be a really freeing experience, you know? And so, yeah. yeah, And so, because, and so I I was, I was thinking about this. I was like, man, like even spiritually, when we lose our point of reference, like, or our path, Mm -hmm. you know, I think oftentimes people resort to self-preservation, even spiritually. I'm not talking about, I'm talking about self-preservation, like Mm -hmm. self, it's all Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Me control. Yeah. I have. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I have yeah. whatever I have. I can do to to get back to control, right? And that's a lack of trust. But I think in those periods of lostness, when we get when God disrupts our our trajectory and we're in a new place where we haven't experienced, our spirit actually dilates as well. And so I think that in that in that sense, like you can you can either run from it. Mm-hmm. fight or flight, or you can embrace it, embrace that feeling of lostness yeah. and, and it opens up yeah. doors, I think. So let me say yeah. this and I'll let Mike jump in, but 
This goes back to what you were talking about with faith. So when the Lord disrupts our place of certainty, it knocks us into a place where faith is necessary to exist. Right. And we have to live by faith and not by sight. And same thing, you talk about being knocked into that place uh, where you don't have that reference point. You can't see the horizon. You can't see your shadow. You can't see the stars, the sun, the compass, whatever it is, right? Mm -hmm. So living by faith. That's good. Well, so building on that, I mean, I think another piece of this is... You know, we would all love to think that our, even even for the faithful followers of Jesus, right, that our our belief and trust in him is, is good and right. Like that yeah. would be something I think we all aspire to. Um, but there's like the great hymn that says, be thou my vision, um, uh, not be all else to me, but save that thou art, right? Mm. That line is referencing like be who you are, not who we think you are. Right. And I think something that comes into this is, we we naturally just like the stars and the moon and the and the light and sun and all these different reference points we we establish a set of reference points for our own self our sense of self things that keep us protected and that might be right. our jobs it might be our careers it's relationships it's economic status it's whatever things that we create that kind of uh create this framework and sense of security right and I got to argue that I think a lot of it's not real. It, of course it's not. It's a lot of it's not real. And so then you do have this disruptive movement of God, which back to the initial point of like his disruption is for good because those things are not him. Like they're idols. So uh, yeah. Right. They're it's, it's idolatry. It's things that we yeah. worship other than God. We right. had a comment that said that complacency and comfort can be an idol. And then when that's the case, God will come in and certainly disrupt that. And there's like, so this other, what I'm listening here, and to me, there's this really interesting juxtaposition that I'm seeing because, so commitment and dedication and discipline is, there's goodness in that. And then there's comfort and they can, I think one can easily blur into the other, but they're very different things. I think so too. And you know, yeah, go for it. And um, speaking to that, because I was thinking about, um, our control. And I was thinking about this, about climbing, um, because certainly, certainly, so, you know, I can, the risk that we take or, and I'm, I'm, I'm this is kind of off, but not really. Um, I was just thinking about this today when thinking about this podcast, but we're talking about risk management, risky behavior, or what mm-hmm. people would deem as risky. And so in this world where I come from, it's, well, that's a risky job. It's like, well, that's a dangerous profession. That's this. And to me, it became after training and diligence, doing my due diligence, it no longer is a, is a hazard to me, you know, because I'm trained in the aspect to be able to handle that. And so the risk is actually directly proportionate to the skill of the one, you know what I mean? And so like, I know, I know that I can, I know that I can climb a 200 foot tree and do it safely. I'd know probably can say beyond certainty that neither one of you can do that. But there is right. a, there's a difference Accurate. between when when <laughs> so we're talking about so people would be like, well what case are you saying we should just have no control over our lives and just live I'm not saying that. What I what I do believe is that there is a difference between control and then being prepared. You For know, sure. You know, yeah. and I think that being prepared keeps you pliable to yeah. the dynamic nature of God, but we want him to be mm. static and static only. And yes, he is static because he is our anchor. He is immovable. He is our rock. He is our defense. He's all these things. He is static, but God is as static as he is dynamic. For sure. And if yeah. we are too busy controlling the situation, okay, yeah. controlling 
you know, restricting it into our static or, or controlling yeah. that I don't have to take risk. Yeah. You know, we're going to miss out on a lot of the dynamic movement mm-hmm. and the spirit is dynamic. It's so if, if we're keeping yeah. ourselves locked into, I don't want to move there because that's yeah. because I want to stay safe. Yeah. You know, we're going to miss those dynamic yeah. movements of God. Right. Cause really like a lot of the, so if you're looking at spiritual formation, discipleship, right, which is the world that I live in often for capacity yeah. ministries and this sure. kind of stuff, like the, at, at its core, discipleship, spiritual formation, your life with God, all of the practices that you commit to and dedicate to are simply, they, they place you before the presence of God so his spirit can, can right. transform you. And they, they train you to be attentive. And the difference, like, so for you climbing that tree, you, you are equipped, you know what you're doing, but you're, you have been trained to be attentive to what you need to be attentive so to. So that I can adapt to. So you can adapt to it. Like I think about a story in my world. So rhinos, mm-hmm. um, I was doing it the other Back day. We'll the stick rhinos. with the rhino story, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I worked it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the, you know, so I was telling a story to some of my coworkers the other day about working with rhinos. And I said, well, you don't, you don't have to separate the rhino out for somebody to go in and, and take, clean the yard or put food down or something. I said, uh, there was a point in my career where I was taught how to go head to head with the rhino and back them down. And so you go, you know, you go against an animal that generally to, to win, it just runs you over, but it's the same attentiveness as that training and that experience of day after day after day, 25, 30 different rhinos learning how to be aware and attentive to like, if they start to do this, I should run. <laughs> right. But if they're doing these things, here's how I can interact with it and stay perfectly safe. Right. Right. And, but it is, it's that attentiveness. And I think we, we like the comfortability in the static nature of things, but we also aren't willing to, we generally are not willing to be dedicated to the things we need to, to be responsive to the dynamic nature of God. Right. So you know how some, you're talking about the dynamic nature of God. And that reminds me of the scripture where Jesus talks about the spirit of God. And he says, so it is with those born of the spirit, you see the wind and it's coming and going. You don't, or he says, you don't know where it's coming from or where it's going. So it is with those born of the spirit. And that's how the spirit of God works in our lives is that he'll come and do some things that maybe we weren't expecting and we just kind of have to let it happen. But then we, I guess we harness that somehow and, and we move with it. Right. So, um, I lost my train of thought. Go, sorry. That hadn't happened in a long time. Right. But it is, yeah, it's a good it, train. It, yeah. We'll pick it up. Yeah. yeah. Pick yeah. up the train. Choo choo. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, yeah. Go ahead. No, go ahead if you got it. I don't think I have it. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I hadn't, but I lost it again. No, I, uh, I, I just, man, the disruptive nature. I, and, and you said an interesting word in there, um, patterns, that we have patterns, which instantly brought me to the, to the, to the verse. Do not, conform to the pattern of this world, but uh, be yeah. transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so yeah. when God breaks those patterns in our lives, disrupting the pattern, he is actually in a form or in a way he's reshaping our minds mm-hmm. so that we're not conforming to that. Because I think that that's a, a, a recipe for destruction. And um, so we should welcome that. But you're right. If we're not trained, um, if we haven't been in the disciplines, right? Like yeah. I think about it again, bring it back climbing. You know, I, I know my knots. I know mm-hmm. my connections. I know what I can and cannot do with that, with the tools that have been given to me, the rope, yeah. 
carabiners, my harness, everything. I know how to use them to accomplish and mitigate yeah. what I need to do. And every tree is every tree is different. I'm mm-hmm. not climbing the same tree every single day. Yeah. And so and so what that training does is that it, it allows it it gives me that like you were saying that adaptability to the dynamic nature of God. And when he comes in and so we get we get afraid, man. We're so easily deterred when things do not go our way yeah. or we don't see them you know, or his promises or the things that he said, and it doesn't look like he's doing those things, mm-hmm. but we're in a new place, right? This new, this new terrain that we've never, we've never been in. And yeah. so our natural, our natural bent is to, is to fear. Yeah. And I was, what was really interesting mm-hmm. to me, and I talked to Jason about this uh, yesterday, I've been in Hebrews two through three through four. And there, there's, Very this, interesting. there's this one, there's this one verse here. It's in Hebrews two, eighteen. It says, for since he himself was tempted in that, which he suffered, he was able to come to the aid of those who are tempted. And I was thinking about this. I was like, okay, well, what was he tempted with? He wasn't tempted to sin necessarily, right? To do, I mean, when we think about the aesthetics, we think about the, you know, sin, like, oh, you know, whatever, whatever mm-hmm. it may be. But every verse after is is talking about belief, the peril of unbelief, you know, and every verse after, but he was faithful, but he was faithful, but he was faithful, right? And so I, it came to me, I was like, man, faith. And it was interesting to me that Jesus never had to have faith until he became a human being because he saw the Father consistently in wholeness for who he was. We live by faith, not by sight. He saw the Father. So faith is a human is a human necessity Mm. because we cannot see him. And so, and so I was like, Whoa, can you imagine coming down from heaven and being here and being like, and then, and then he experiencing the human condition in that he's like, wow, this sucks. I, he, he embraced humanity and the fact that it sucks Mm -hmm. to have to walk by faith all the time because it does, it's not, you know, and, but our faith is strengthened in those moments, but tempted, tempted to waver in his faith tempted, you know, and, and, and everything after that, like I said, is talking about his faithfulness. He's a high priest now forever mm-hmm. in the, in the order of Melchizedek. And then, uh, three, 12 through, you know, 19 is talking about the peril of unbelief. Take heart or take care, brethren, lest there should be any one of you an evil, an evil, unbelieving heart and falling away from the living God. Evil in the sense, and sin is a direct derivative or derivative. It's a symptom of our distrust in God. Yeah. You know, cause he's talking about today. If you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts when, when they provoked me you know, in the day of the trial of the wilderness where your fathers tried me, testing me, you know, and I think about the Israelites and every, when they tested him, it was because of their unbelieving hearts. They did not trust right. in him, yeah. you know? Yeah. And so he was, he was tempted on the cross through everything he suffered, you know, always mm-hmm. you think about when he was led to the, to the wilderness for 40 days, it was tempted to do something outside of his trust for God. Right. It was always about mm-hmm. shaking the faith and creating doubt. The first thing that, yeah. that the enemy mm-hmm. said to the, did God really say in the garden? Right. Did yeah. he really testing say God? Yeah. Not testing trusting. your t- trying to manipulate and cause that doubt to get in there. So you will waver from your trust and look what happened from your faith. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Man. So, so, that's Could good. you say that a godly disruption will always lead to a faith building opportunity? Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. And honestly, if I'm if I'm being honest, I think that we need more of it because we have become so comfortable. Look what happened when this pandemic hit. You know, like it's just this mass Here we go. fear and chaos, you know, like in people's lives and people and anxiety and all these stuff, the stuff that that came from that. Man, I, 
I say that because I'm addicted now to to being in places where I've never trod before because I know on the other end because these are faith building exercises the, the trust fall think about the trust fall there's a point mm-hmm. where you fall and we we sometimes we don't realize in those places where we feel like he's not with us or or the extended prolonged period of you know being in those we're we're, during, we're in the falling of you know of that trust fall yeah. but then you're caught you know, and it's and to me, it's been always a trust building exercise because yeah. on the other end, he he reveals himself through that situation, and your strength is faith, mm-hmm. or your faith is strengthened. Yeah, I mean, I I would almost kind of up the ante, maybe even a little bit more. Is like I, I think life is actually a fall, the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, and I don't mean that. I don't mean that. Like, I, I mean, in the sense that. So what I've thought about is, you know, to use the pandemic as a reference. So. All of a sudden, we're all very acutely aware of this danger, and then our responses are varied, and that's fine. And there's there's goodness in that whole variety of how people respond. But the thing is that that reality and threat has always been there. Right. It's not any different, and and the the <clears throat> dangers and perils of life are all always there. Right. It's just our 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 control. And the way that we seek comfort in things, right? We're talking about these kind of frameworks that we create. Right. Well, is we've set this thing up, and I, I think our, I think our theology can be one of those, those control yeah, factors. Absolutely. Where we're so concerned or concerned with, but we've we've built this framework of I'm going to build these <clears throat> theological statements to protect my own comfort. Mm. But here's the deal. Like this is to me, this is the ultimate disruptive movement of God. Tell us. Is that the incarnation, right? Like God shows up in this radically different way and basically does not fulfill what anybody wanted from him. Right. In the way in which he wanted it. Right. Like that they can control. uh, That they can control. And so I love that. I I mean, mean, they even wanted to make him king. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like the closest people to Jesus are, are even after he's raised from the dead are still like, okay, so are we going to overthrow Rome now? And he's like, yeah. no, <laughs> yeah. this has never been the, the aim here. Like it, you talk about, I mean, he's entering the context where there is a framework and there are different frameworks, right? Like there's, there's Pharisees, there's zealots, there's Sadducees, like everybody has their framework. And he comes in and he's like, yeah, it's not any of those. It's, n- none, it's, of so the it's none of those. It's so good. Yeah. It's yeah. none of these. And like, so we get one of your favorite topics. He had, he then took on the, the task, the beautiful task, his entire life's work of proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. The kingdom of heaven is here. Yeah. And then disrupting everybody's framework, everybody's narrative, mm-hmm. everybody's mission, everybody's will. Yeah. With inserting the kingdom of God into their, into their worldview yeah. and completely disrupting it. So right. the kingdom of God itself is disruptive in its nature mm-hmm. because it's going to flip everybody's framework upside down. Yeah. You've heard it before. Eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. I tell you, but I to tell love you. your enemy. Yeah. yeah. Right. And bless and do not curse them. Feed them if they're hungry. Right. I mean, yeah. which is completely, yeah. completely turned it upside down. It's upside down. It's against everything, you know, that we, that we think of, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, you know, it's, it's unreal. You so, know, it man, really is. And you just yeah. think about the father's heart in that, like the way that Jesus came, he didn't, he didn't come with sword, right? He didn't come with a mob or with an army. Yeah. He came as a man walking the, walking the earth, 
getting elbow to elbow with people face to face and gently correcting their world. Well, not everybody gently, but lovingly correcting mm-hmm. people's worldview by preaching the kingdom and also exemplifying the kingdom through yeah. his acts of love and healing and mercy and grace and, he was, and ultimately mm-hmm. sacrifice. And he was so, yeah. he, he got so, he got his hands so dirty in humanity that the religious leaders around them, around in that day, called him a drunk. They called him a friend of tax collectors. They called him these things because yeah. that's how that's how far he was willing to go mm-hmm. for us. You know what I mean? That's how far yeah. he was willing to plunge his hands into the filth of this world. You know how yeah. they say you are who you hang with, mm-hmm. right? So he's hanging out with these sinners, and they're like, "Oh, he must be a sinner." Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's like, "Let me flip that on its head too." Right. You know, and I <laughs> and I think one of the like when you talk about this just the goodness and the beauty of God and his disruptive nature. Cause there's like, you know, it, it'd be really easy. Like I'm, I'm seeing, hearing these thoughts in my own mind, like, yeah, you know, and look at how comfortable we are in, in evangelical Christendom and look at how our, but I'm like, yeah, I'm all of those things. I'm every one of those, yeah. those, you know, yeah, nice, I, easy comfort deals. And yeah. so I love, I've been talking about this recently with a couple, couple friends is just the, the beautiful invitation and kind of wooing spirit that is still highly disruptive, but that we can't, you know, as much as we might want to, so I was talking to a friend, he's in Indianapolis, um, good friend of mine. And he, so this is really interesting, but he's part of a, a group that they live in. He lives in a pretty wealthy community outside of Indianapolis, but they have a lot of immigrants that move to their town and they tend to have lower economic opportunities or less academic opportunities. And he, so he made the point that the Corona pandemic, people don't realize that there's this whole other population that he cares about that like they can't do a telehealth thing because they don't have internet. Right. Or they can't get high speed broadband or they can't find a computer or they can't like, there's a whole different world and they need help. And we were just kind of talking about like, as much as we may want to go in and, and kind of scream like, Christians think different. <laughs> like you need to re like think different about this. There, I think Jesus does model an invitational spirit that like he mm, exemplifies yeah. it, but he, he is wooing us to surrender our own control frameworks and to right. surrender our own. Like, wow. It's just such a, it's such an interesting way that he works on the personal level. Uh, yeah, I'll just throw that in. And, yeah, and he did it on a mass scale too, because he yeah. turned. He, look at America, look at our culture, look at our society. And so this pandemic came through, and now all of a sudden people are forced to stay at home with their kids. They're forced to mm-hmm. stay at home with their parents. They're forced to stay at home, you know. And what? And in that, even though I mean, in all of that, like he turned it from out our outward perspective, which is which is take, 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 take. Yeah. You know what I mean? Individual, yeah. individual, individual. We build up the individual, mm-hmm. and he turned it around forcibly kind of, yeah. you know, and, and look at the beauty that came from that communities are coming together. Yeah. You know what I mean? Families are spending more time together. And so how, I don't necessarily see that as a bad thing. Yeah. Um, but the way that he did that, absolutely. You know, and, um, man, turning that from, from our outward perspective to the inward, to the community, to the oneness, mm-hmm. to the unity, to the community, Yeah. you know? So I just had a thought. And I wrote it down. The worst thing we can do is try and preserve the framework he's trying to disrupt. And what did the Pharisees do? The worst thing we can do is try and preserve the framework he's trying to disrupt. The law. That's good. And so if you think about the law, the Pharisees, I mean, they're like, kill this guy. 
Mm-hmm. We don't want anything different. We have the law. We, we're children of Abraham. Right. Yeah. We have the law of Moses. We've had the prophets. And Jesus is like, you killed them too, right? Like, yeah. So there they were trying to preserve their religious framework, the thing that they felt comfort in, the thing that that law that they said, well, if I do X, Y, and Z, I'm good. And even mm-hmm. all of their community and all of their um, their the people around them, yeah, their community was basically saying, yeah, you got it right. No, you're doing well. Yeah, you're doing the law. You're doing Sabbath. You're doing the feast. Right. It's all good. Like, bro, you're a Pharisee, bro. You're a scribe, homie. Like, you you made it. And then here comes Hashtag, Jesus. Hashtag, you finally made it, dog. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then and then Jesus shows up and starts and messing it all up. And and their mm. fir- their inclination, get this, their they had such an inclination and a desire to preserve what Jesus was disrupting that they killed him. Yeah. They were willing to commit murder and in go- order to preserve and that goes back, their worldview. That goes back to I mean it's so when we look at the verse, man, it's for freedom that you have been that you have been set free, so no longer be burdened by a yoke of slavery. It's not talking mm. about fear. Mm-hmm. It's talking about yeah. the law. Right. Now these these things in our life that are static, the strict moral codes that we have that we hold, the do do not taste, do not touch, do not do this, don't do that, don't associate with these people, don't do this, don't do that, strict line, walk the yeah. line, do do do. <laughs> do this, do that. King right. of the castle. Right, right. And so <laughs> but but th- what what we see is that keep, that keeps you bound. Big time. Yeah, it's for freedom. It keeps you bound, and then we're so brainwashed into our own idiosyncrasies that we think we're doing the right thing. We think that we're free, and really, we're slaves to our we're slaves to what to our doing. Yeah, right. Mm. And so he call he comes, and man, faith, man, be free of even the law. Because it because it's completed in Him, everything mm-hmm. is completed yeah. in yeah. Him, and that that trust that and everything. So my sin, if it derives from, I think about those times in my life, the things that I've done. You know what I mean? I think about those things a lot because it's I, I think it's important to understand those things. And if you don't have a self awareness, you know, then I you know that's a recipe for failure. You know, to to I, I like to think about those things and understand. And I found it; it's all derived from not trusting Him. Right. And so our trust in him, if we have and hold an unwavering trust in the Lord, Mm -hmm. that will dictate, you know, the way that we live our lives and we should be living free. We're not we're not bound to the law anymore. Right. Don't be afraid anymore of doing the wrong thing Mm -hmm. because it's not about it's about trust and about believe and about and about, you know, taking that fall and just letting go and saying, Mm -hmm. man, whatever happens, happens. Yeah. You know, well, it's right. Like I. what we were talking about is, so Jesus came to fulfill the law, right? The val- the law is valid throughout the whole thing. It's the misunderstanding <laughs> and the misuse of the law that's the issue. The law, even as you move forward, scripture tells us that, you know, this is eternal life, that you would fully know the Father. Right. Like that you would, the, that's the law, the aim of Jesus coming. Like this is, again, one of my just, I love thinking about this is, is you start in the garden and you have God with his people fully connected, right? No sin, no distrust or miss, um, no separation between the father and, and Adam and Eve. And then that breaks, right? And so you move forward and throughout the Old Testament, you have the tabernacle and you have the temple. And every time that we, they build a temple or they build it, right? The tabernacle is like the mobile home version of the temple. So, right. right? Um, so every time, yeah. yeah. So every time they show up, like then it says in God's presence filled this place. And it's this pattern. You see it repeated over and over. So God's aim is to be with his people. Always to be with and his people. And then you fast forward and you get, and this is always one of my favorite spaces in scripture 
scripture, when Jesus shows up, right, God is with them. And then they say, Jesus perform a miracle. And he says, yeah, you'll destroy the temple and I'll raise it in three days. And they have no clue. And they're like, Jesus took 40 years to build the thing. Yeah. The whole point is he's saying the temple, the literal place where God's presence filled and is with you. I'm here. I'm Mm, now. Yeah. And so like, he's, he is the fulfillment of the law. And so when we understand that, and we understand that like, this is the grand invitation. It's the radical upside down kingdom that Jesus is here, present, real. And that once for all time, for all people, all of humanity, he defeated death and sin and it has no more power and welcome right. to the kingdom. Right. Yeah. Like that's the beauty. And so this, that also takes an immense amount of surrender Yeah. yeah. because there's so much to not believe that you retain control. Yeah. Even if it's utter disaster, <laughs> like you still get to own it. Right. And by, by trusting Jesus that what he did matters more than what we do yeah. is, is surrender. And, and so that takes also massive relearning and rewiring. That's why scripture says yeah. be transformed right. by the renewing of your mind. Yeah. And that's why Jesus gave the mandate, go and make disciples of all nations. And so he was saying, basically go make learners of the new kingdom. Right. Yeah. And so it's a lifelong task that mm-hmm. we we rework the framework of our minds and our hearts, our soul, to come in line with kingdom principles and kingdom existence. And he does it by his work within us, the spirit of God, right? Yeah. And man, like, let me tell you, mm-hmm. like, there's a lot of stuff that I had to unlearn. Yeah. You know, there was so much. And that, that verse, again, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. And so recently, even recently, he came and he disrupted everything in my life. But I found that um, I'm being transformed and I can, I, I can see it. You know, it's one of those tangible things that I can see. I can see that my life is changing. I can see it mm-hmm. in my interactions with people. During that disruption, you know, he showed me, and I say this all the time, but man, it was so good, is that more than showing me who he is, he showed me who he isn't. Yeah. And I had to oh, un- so good. and I had to That's unlearn good. all the things because we because we have these statements, right? Even our dogmas and the way that we grew up in church, we have these that we we fix on him and say, mm-hmm. This is it. You cannot yeah. think of him outside of this right here. And certainly uh, I hate that. certainly he has yeah. immutable attributes. You know what I mean? But again, back to his dynamic nature, I think we literally box ourselves in and we box him because we're trying to tame something that is untamable, you know? And Mm -hmm. I've been, my brain, my brain has been rewiring and man, like coming, coming to that verse, man, like, I don't know anything except Christ (laughs) crucified, bro. But once I found that in the simplicity and, and like I, everything that I thought that I knew about my faith, it was all arrogance, man. You know, it was all pride. It was all theology that I learned through books, man. Yeah. didn't save me in the day when when the Lord's fire fell. Everything that is not of the Lord will be burnt, bro. And my -hmm. my life got set on fire, but I know one thing remained, man, is that that, that, uh, that small faith, man. And like, I'm so happy that he broke off everything in my mind that, that I thought I knew about him. And now he's getting to show me in a place of refreshment. And you know what I mean? That, that through the refining comes the refreshment and man, like he's just, showing me who nice. he is because I need him to be that in my life. Mm-hmm. And then when he shows up like that, I'm like, God, Ooh. man, I thought you were love. Now I know love. You know, I thought yeah. you were, I thought you were my defender. I know you're my defender. I thought you were peace. Yeah. I thought you were peace. I know you're my peace now. You know what I mean? And it's yeah. like one of those beautiful things. And so the disruption, we shouldn't be afraid of that. We should welcome it, man, because Absolutely. it's, because it is so necessary and he is so, he knows everything, man. And he knows how to handle us. And it's such a beautiful, 
beautiful thing to welcome that disruption in our life. Yeah. Yeah. We did an episode Mm -hmm. a while back and that was one of the ones my wife was on. Um, it was with Kim and Christine and we did it. It was called, um, Oh gosh. (laughs) Slave, slave mentality versus sonship or something like that. Hmm. And so basically we kind of walk through how a slave thinks versus how a son thinks. And it just reminded me of the scripture. I mean, we look in Isaiah 53 and we get this beautiful image, prophetic image of Jesus. Um, And one of the statements is that he comes to set the captive free. And so think about how a captive who maybe he's been in captivity their entire life or was taken captive and was captive for some years and then is let go again. Think about the reworking of that framework that has to happen. So you look at what happened with the Israelites when they were taken out of um, the captivity of Pharaoh, Mm -hmm. they couldn't, they couldn't grasp or understand freedom. And so they wanted to go back. Yeah. Right. And how many of us yeah. live our lives in such a way like the Lord is trying to disrupt mm-hmm. us to bring us into deeper freedom, deeper understanding of identity, deeper understanding of living as a rather, son, deeper yeah. deeper understanding of what it is to truly live in the kingdom, yet we hold on to the things of our past. Because rather than rather yep. than trod in the unknown, we'd rather be comfortable well, even if it's slavery, I'd rather yeah. be where it's I know crazy. where yeah. I where I can where I know and I don't have to do anything outside of or anything that's yeah. required of me that would require me to step out outside of my box. Yeah. Ugh. You know? It's nasty stuff, man. Yeah. I mean, it makes me think too, um, you know, in thinking about about all these these work rhythms, the stuff I've been looking at lately with just, um, you know, pre, post, and, and in coronavirus, current, yeah. whatever, current COVID. type stuff, you know? <laughs> um, and just the, you're seeing all these organizations rethinking their workplaces and workspaces and rhythms and, you know, all this stuff. And, um, and I'm, that's the world I'm in now. Um, cause there's a lot of jobs that won't be affected in some of those ways too. You still got to get up in a tree. Like that's, <laughs> that's not going to change. About a, that's about as social distancing as you can get yeah, right? feet off the ground. Yeah, I'm good, pretty good. So, no, I got plenty of space. Um, you know, but the, what's interesting about this too is like, so organizationally, and then I'll, I'll, I'll shift this to the, to a faith standpoint here. But so organizationally, like we've had this massive disruption of how we work and how we get work done. Right. So we have to rethink that. We have to rethink value. We have to rethink, um, resource allocation. I mean, all of these things are going on kind of rapid fire. And what's interesting is I'm seeing organizations, um, that are kind of waiting to go back to that normal. Right. Right. Like yeah. go back to that slavery piece or whatever yeah. we're comfortable or what, not, what things. And then there's those that seem to be willing and daring to try something different, right. even though it's an experiment and it's new and they don't know if it's going to work and it's, it's, it's launching into that world. But there is a, there's a need to find the new habits. So if you're going to, so very simply, right. If, if everybody works remote and they work from home, which a lot of companies have been doing for 10 years. This is not right. This that not radically new. new. My dad's been working from his home office for like 10 years. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? So, yeah. yeah. So it's really not that new, but so when you, when you hear about it, you're like, oh, okay, well, it's going to change the way you manage your team. You can't default to, okay, Jason's going to be physically right next to me. <laughs> like you actually have to think ahead, you know, and you've got to plan a little bit. Yeah. Who would have thought be proactive? <laughs> um, anyway, you know, like, <laughs> So, but you do have to build these new habits. And I think the same thing applies in our faith, right? Is So let, let's say we can embrace and lean in to the disruption, which is a first if, because I think a lot of, a lot of 
um, Christians myself at times, and potentially even now, uh, as I wrote down something for myself later <laughs> on a piece of paper. But, uh, you know, I think we resist that disruption. But Absolutely. so if we lean into it, if, I think we do have to think about then what become the new habits? What are the right. new trainings? Because um, just if, if I wanted to start to learn how to climb a tree, like I got to actually learn things. Right. It probably starts with getting in a tree. <laughs> What starts with <laughs> like you know, <laughs> just climb the tree. Just faith, climb bro. the tree. Yeah, just, yeah, just, just, just yeah. takes a whole lot of jump, faith. Just jump. No, like I mean, there's there's natural things. If we're going to develop any sort of skill or competency, we know that we have to do things, and I think the same is true for. Um, so here's a good example, right? Like I I grew up in a faith tradition where God was good on paper, but basically angry and hated me and most other people in reality, right? Right. Like, yes, theologically, God was good, but I didn't really believe it. So if if you're going to start to have that, if God's going to transform your mind, right, it's likely not just a one crash moment and everything is fixed. Right. Because it's that reworking of those narratives, that wiring that's kind of ingrained in us. And so it starts to become things like counting your blessings. And I'll tell you, I'll tell a story that I'm sure that I'm going to tear up when I tell it because I usually do. It's and a I think good you've one. heard, heard this one before. It's yeah. good. Yep. So my dad, who I love, like one of my best friends on the planet, he's why I care about nature. He's why I love music. Um, I mean, he's kind of a gruff guy and he he grew up and found, he was one of the founders of that church that I grew up in. So he's had 60 plus years of this really negative narrative about God. So years back, um, I, was there, I was there for Christmas time uh, and just, he was just in a really bad place with God. And so he said, he's like, look, I, I know the scripture. I know that it's not true, but I just think God, I just think God screwed me. And, yeah. and I just don't, I just don't want anything to do with it. That sucks. Right. Like he, he just had this framework. And so I was thinking and praying, like, what am I, how can I help my dad? It's, this is not a theology issue, right? This right. is a praxis issue. Exactly. Well, Dad, and don't so, you know what the Bible says? Yeah, well, yeah right? Dad, like, don't well, you know let, that, me, let me quote let me, you five things. Yeah. Like, like yeah. Uh, that wasn't it at this point. And so uh, what I felt compelled to do through some time of prayer and through a good mentor was I asked my dad, would you, um, would you do a count, count your blessings exercise with me? Every day via email, I live in Kansas, he lives in Ohio. Um, you send me 10 blessings and I'll send you 10 blessings. And he, he's kind of a heavy set guy with a big gray beard. So like an unhappy Santa is a decent way to think about it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And he, you know, he's like, oh, stupid hippie Christian crap. You know, <laughs> like this kind of thing. But yep. because Jeez. I'm his Santa. Yeah. yeah. Come on, Santa. Yeah. <laughs> just, just want a toy. <laughs> Anyways. Uh, yeah. So he, but he did it. Anyways, so we, uh, so we start exchanging these blessings, you know, over email, just 10 a day, nothing Nothing crazy, right? And on February 11th of that year, I got a voicemail from my dad. And he just said, you know, I, the dark clouds have lifted off my life. Hmm. This is the happiest I've been. And like, and he just, this lifelong pursuit of finding the ways that God held out on him for two months, he started paying attention to how God's been blessing him. It's a shift in the focus. And, and so I have an email block that has 3,650 blessings from my dad. <laughs> wow. Nice. You know, and that's it's insane. like, it just, it goes to show like, that's not a radically crazy thing to do to just count 10 blessings a day. But, right. but we, we have to, we have to respond to God's disruption with commitment 
and dedication right. and energy. Like it. Well, it, you know. then, then there was probably a rewiring of his brain. Then right, like a changing sure. of his mind to be able to say, "Hey, I I can at any point in time sit down and write down." Th- 10 things that I'm grateful for that the Lord has blessed me with. Yeah. And not everybody can say that or do that. Mm-hmm. But once you make the practice of actually doing it, well, then in your mind, you're like, I always have something to be grateful for when maybe you weren't able to make that statement before right. 365 days earlier. Yeah. It's yeah. Huge. huge. I mean, there's another, I've got another story, but if you want Tell to take it, different, you know. You. So, so in that whole like habit formation mentality, right? So years, years back, um, a good mentor and great friend of mine, Jim Smith, who's a author and thinker in formation world stuff. Good, oh yeah. Good, good friend beautiful, of yours, huh? Good and beautiful, beautiful yeah, dad. Yeah. That's a, that's a, that's a good devotional. Yeah. It's a good book, man. That's great. That, that really helped change a lot of things in my life yeah. a long time ago. And, the one where he tells yeah. you to just stay in bed as long as you can. Yeah. Just sleep as long as you can. As long as you can. Like mm-hmm. as long as you possibly can. I love it. And just lay in bed. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. That's crazy. That's good stuff. <laughs> we, so I, uh, Jason may know this. There's people that know me really well know that I, uh, prior to meeting my lovely and beautiful wife, my dating past was bad and hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> like both of those things. And so uh, another story in that world was that so I had started dating this gal. We'd been dating for like a month or so. And I was actually um, at the National Youth Worker Convention getting ready to go give a talk, like a, a platform talk at a f- pretty big conference. And uh, and like two days prior to that, I had called my best friend and I was like, man, I I think she's the one. Like, I think it's her. I think I found, like, I'm really excited about this. I feel good about it and all that. And so about... Like I had landed, I think it was in Atlanta or something, but, um, landed and I'm like getting ready to go deliver this talk on like the kingdom and the goodness of God. And this woman calls and dumps me <laughs> like within hours of me. I think it's safe to say that she was not she the was one. She was not the one. Yeah. She was not the one. But of course there's a part of me that's like, you couldn't have waited. Yeah. <laughs> like give, right. me, give me three hours. Yeah. Just, yeah. just let me wait. So I've got a narrow window and I've got to get my soul right. And so one of the things for me, I know is that like physical fitness is important. Like I need to get energy out because uh, sometimes that'll get pent up for me. And then like, I just get angry or whatever. I explode. And so I, um, so I was like, okay, I'm going to go down to the gym. I've got like 20 minutes. I'm going to run this out. Cause I was furious. I was like, God, I've been struggling with dating for so long. Like finally found this girl. And like, what is your problem? God, <laughs> like, yeah. you know, I'm heck? like, why? And I remember, I remember the specific line that I, cause I, I'm sure if there was somebody in the hotel room next to me, they're like, this dude's nuts. Uh, cause they could probably hear me yelling, but I'm like, God. And I, I specifically remember saying this, God, why is no one fighting for me? And then, so I put my headphones on and I start going down to the gym and in the back of my mind, it actually goes all the way back to the good and beautiful series. I had, uh, Jim Smith, my friend had, um, encouraged me to memorize the 23rd Psalm. And so I'm walking to the gym, incredibly angry, having like my life more or less shattered in that moment. And, and in the back of my mind, I hear the Lord is my shepherd. He, he walks with me with his rod and his staff. He's taking like this, this beautiful imagery and this reminder that like, this is who God is. And that habit was ingrained into my soul, like literally to be something that, and it it was amazing. I can remember that feeling of being like, oh yeah. I'm good. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. God, I trust you. 
like I got it. I know this. I still hate her, but I trust you. Oh yeah, wasn't wasn't happy. We had some coffee. No love in the heart of the city. We had some talks. I showed her the dynamic nature of Mike. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it probably more it probably more went like, well, why not? Yeah, I just don't like you. Okay. All right. Fine. Dang it. Dang it. Anywho. Dang it. So there you go. But habits. Well, yeah, but, you know, forming forming new habits, but embracing the newness, right? And so disruption comes with a new territory. Yeah. And uh, if we look at, you know, even the Israelites, you know, when they were getting ready to cross the Jordan, he's like, man, take these stones, build this in remembrance of what yeah. he did. Right. right? And so and so the old, the, the old stuff that he did, bro, that's old. That's old news. Yeah. And yes, we want to remember it because, yeah. you know, it's like we can look back and say, man, do you remember the time? Just like we look at back and say, man, do you remember the well, time, that time that God was cared? An, yeah. an Ebenezer for you. You can look back and see the goodness of God. Yeah. But he yeah. continued right. on as shepherd. And so yeah. in these new territories, man, comes with a new way to mitigate them, yeah. you know, and I definitely, man, definitely agree with you that embracing newness, man, it shouldn't be a, a scary thing. You yeah. know, it shouldn't be a thing that incites anxiety and, mm -hmm. um, man. Well, I mean, how often, I don't know, there's just this idea, this perception of Christianity and it's, it's our fault, you know, that people will look at our religion or our faith and they think it's some boring thing to where you, it, you're more about what you're against than what you're for, right? Well, you can't drink, you can't yeah. have sex, you can't do this, you can't do that. And so when you talk about give your life to Jesus, people are reluctant because they're like, my life's going to freaking suck. But I can tell you it's the exact opposite, mm -hmm. that when the Lord comes in and shifts that trajectory of your life, it becomes an adventure. A, an adve it becomes an adventure. It yeah. really does. And if you allow him to lead and guide you, Right. And break free from those frameworks and allow him to disciple you. Right. That's why Jesus said, take my yoke upon you. It's easy. The burden is light. I'm humble in heart. Like learn from me, Jesus says. So he's the one that comes preaching the kingdom. He's the one that knows what true reality is within the kingdom of God. And then mm -hmm. he gives us this beautiful in invitation to walk with him, to tread with him, to work with him, but to exist shoulder to shoulder, literally, as he leads and guides us and helps us to strengthen ourselves as we right. move forward. And so again, it's this lifelong journey of him continually bringing kingdom into those places of your life where kingdom doesn't yet exist. Right. It's filling all nooks and crannies in every part of your life. Dude, what's that lyric you wrote where he says, pouring his spirit all over my world? Yeah. Um, I think it's, let me tell you about a no-so-risen Lord pouring out his spirit all, all over, over my, my world. world. Yeah. And that's exactly what he's mm. doing, man. Like, it's so good. I love that lyric. He's just pouring it all over your world, right? Mm. Everywhere, everything. Yeah. He's saturating it. He's inundating it, baptizing them into the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy yeah. Spirit, right? The full immersion. It's, it's not yeah. just that we say... You know, we dip our feet or our finger yeah. in there, and it's like, oh, yeah, the Lord well, baptized. No, his dog, he's, he is, well, you know, he's a, totally immersing you. Yeah, and you it's know. not just like something that, it's, you know, a statement that we say when we dunk people under some water. Part of that discipleship is mm -hmm. walking with people in such a way that they can become inundated with the person of Christ, the Father creator of all things and the work of the Holy Spirit within It's got to be leaking off you, man. Mm -hmm. It's yeah. got to be dripping off you. you right. Know? Yeah. And full immersion. Full immersion. And um, 
just what you were talking about, like strength, man. And so he takes us often. I think oftentimes we get into these situations where he allows us in our strength until we get to the point where we can no longer, but we have a decision in that moment when we can no longer operate in our strength. We can have, we can go back to where we can handle things in our strength, or we mm-hmm. can say, okay, all right, like this is new water, this is new territory, and I'm going to rely on your strength. And yeah. how often is it the plight of the Christian, man, that we go, we, we travel so far with them until it comes to the point where we don't think that we can handle it anymore. And rather than continue on in complete trust and obedience, we turn back to the way that we came, mm. you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, man. Yeah, that's that verse that you quoted earlier about not allowing ourselves to get back into that yoke of slavery. Right. Running back to the things that we left. Mm. Yeah. So yeah. So mm. let's talk about real quick, because we've talked a lot about godly disruption, but we, we've kind of left it vague. Do you guys have any kind of example, maybe in your own life? I mean, maybe the girlfriend breaking up thing, maybe that was a disruptive thing that God did, but do you have any kind of yeah. situation that might maybe drive that point home? You know, it's funny that you th- you say that, because I was just thinking like, man, it's so easy to talk about it retro like retrospectively oh yeah but then how much harder is it when you're in that moment and it's it's very real when you're in that moment it sucks bro yeah it really like it really blows and (laughs) and uh this flipping sucks yeah i mean like wth the the thing i'm thinking about right now and i so getting getting married has been huge in this formation for me um but i'm seeing it come up in a lot of other places is I think a a security framework or a narrative that I've created in my own life is that I don't need anybody. Right. Like that kind of rugged so individual. Dependence, but, independence. Yeah. But it, it comes from a background of like, there were a lot of hurts in my family, my my kind of family of origin upbringing. And so if I said, if I just don't need anybody, if I never need anybody, then they can't hurt me. Like I can keep myself safe. I can preserve me by doing this. And then that, that narrative perpetuated itself and got deeper and deeper over the last 15 years or whatever. Mm. And so, uh, you know, we all talk about kind of reworking um, and, and the transformation and the renewing of our minds in these things. And that's really real for me right now, like in both, both jobs and, and roles that I sit in and in, in family relationships is even even to say like just sitting here to to say with conviction like i need other people is hard for me to say that it's, like to believe i can say it <laughs> but right. to to actually like yeah you know what i i need others what a, that's really hard for me what a strange dichotomy because like i was just like where you say that you you know you had been so independent of others and god's been really talking to me about my dependence on others about mm. an unhealthy dependence, you oh, know, and interesting. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and uh, it like, so kind of a codependence, right. Yeah. Or, or placing things above him. Like, and I can, you know, and I hate to say this cause it seems like every time, every episode I go back to it, but this is where I'm at, you know, with the divorce and everything, I had elevated my wife to a position that she was not supposed to be in, right. you mm-hmm. know, and I elevated her. And like, so as I observed myself grieving over this, over this divorce and why was I so upset about it, 
right? Rather than accepting. And I mean, of course, it's a tough thing. But mm-hmm. I was, a, I, I think God kind of revealed to me in my mind that, you know, that I had needed and depended on her so much, right? In codependency, that that's the reason I was so upset that she was gone, mm-hmm. you know? And he took me to a place where it's only him, me. Yeah. And he's always been, but like, I just thought about that today. I was like, man. Mm you have always been there. And we say that all the time, he's always with you. But to really think about it, I just laid in my bed, folded my hands, and I thought about that. He's never left me. He's always been here. Bro. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And it's like, yeah. you know, the one thing. And so I had an unhealthy dependence on other people for uh, love, right? Yeah. For my worth, right? For yeah. those things. And so with... with divorce it's like one of those ugly things where somebody tells you that you are not worth me going any further with you yeah and to me that only solidified my 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 you know i had a kind of a negative view of myself for a long time and so it only solidified that in my mind mm-hmm. that i'm not worth it you know what i mean and so i found this 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 worth in him you know and to and yes, we need other people. So that's why I was saying it's strange yeah. that, that you're going How through that, different. but that I'm, I'm going through the other, which is not necessarily that I don't need people, but I don't need other people. My worth is not, yeah. my worth is not relegated to what other people think about me, say about me, yeah. what they do to me. You know what I mean? My mm-hmm. worth comes from him and I know, you know what I mean? Now, yeah. and man, it's, that, that's becomes a beautiful thing. That just speaks yeah. to those, those different examples. That speaks to just the nature of who the Lord is as a father and the way that he parents his children. One lesson is different for the other. It's not all the same, right? So Mm -hmm. for some, it may be saying, hey, you're super codependent. And some, he might be saying, you're not dependent enough. Right. And so that's a beautiful thing because one's not right or wrong either way. There's there's an equilibrium. There's a balance. There's There's a balance, balance, man. There's of not going too much this way, not going too much the other way. There's a perfect harmony Mm -hmm. and a perfect balance that we need to find, man. Because we all have these propensities to to go, to sway way hard one way, you know what I mean? But finding that balance, man. And again, that's where like the lesson I'm learning because relationship, like relationship meant pain. Yeah. And so that distance avoided pain. I mean, that's what it was. Like that's what it is. Self-preservation tactics. Right. And it's still there. Like it's still there in work. It's still there in other things. But what's so interesting to me is that like talking about that balance, the only way to find that balance is through the fulfillment of law as Jesus saw it through relationship. Right. Right. Because it's not letter of the law, like it isn't that black and white for every single person. And so I just think there's such beauty in that, that dynamic of how God interacts right. with us. Like and that it, reminds it needs me, to be custom. And that re- pain, you know what I mean? The, the, the fear of pain. And um, that, that brings me always, man, Derek Shore said something to me very profound and stuck with me for a long mm, time. Derek which Shore, is, good dude. He, man, he's, like he is guy. so good, man. He's just a, he's just a a good person to be around. He was talking about the cruciform life, you know, Mm, where Jesus, where Jesus, when his entire life was not lived in a defensive posture, hands up, pushing people away. His life was lived with his arms open and he was vulnerable to every single attack. He was vulnerable to pain. He was vulnerable to that. And in that he connected deeply because there was, there was no fear. Mm -hmm. There was no defense. And I was reading something from, uh, do you like Henry Nowen? Big fan. Oh, I just man. pulled it up. Do you want me to read it? Yeah. I have it. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> so he says, when we, when we have nothing to lose, when we feel lonely, we have such a need to be liked and loved that we are hyper t- hypersensitive 
to the many signals in our environment and easily become hostile toward anyone whom we perceive as rejecting us. But once we have found the center of our life and our own heart and have accepted our aloneness, not as a fate, but as a vocation, we are able to offer freedom to others. Once we have given up our desire to be fully fulfilled, we can offer emptiness to others. Once we have become poor, we can be a good host. It is indeed the paradox of hospitality that poverty makes a good host. Poverty is the inner disposition that allows us to take away our defenses and convert our enemies to friends. Hmm. We can only perceive the stranger as an enemy as long as we have something to defend. But when we say, please enter my house is your house. My joy is your joy. My sadness is your sadness. And my life is your life. We have nothing to defend since we have nothing to lose, but all to give. Brutal, bro. I I copy and pasted that. I was like, I got to go back to it. I'm telling you, But what's that life, that that, that line? He says, we can only perceive the stranger as an enemy as long as we have something to defend. Mm, So, you know, Jesus gave up his right to be offended. And with nothing to justify, nothing to defend, you're able to treat people, you know, without any sort of hostility, Mm -hmm. you know? Regardless of whether it brings pain or whatever, you're open, you know, to other people. That's so it, it such timely thing because I just started right before you read that is to me that one of the best questions in this space is what do you have to lose? Right. Yeah. And it and I don't ask that rhetorically where you're like, come on, what do you have to lose? I genuinely mean it. What are you afraid of losing? Because Think if of we're such things. if we're yeah. going to if we're going to resist that disruption or that loss or that change. It's because there's a real fear somewhere in there. Right. So we can't just like dismiss it as though, oh, well, scripture says that we should not be afraid that I will blah, 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 not be blah, blah, like, blah, that doesn't right. help. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. It's not real. Like we gotta, <laughs> we gotta actually get in there and do the hard work of sorting it out. And like, for me, I can use a scenario at work. I, I know that a, a habit that I have, which is all related to this disconnect and avoidance of pain, right. Is that I am quicker to get mad at somebody and just distance than I am to have to reconcile right. and work through it. Like I'm, I, and that's not good. No. And, yeah. And yeah. so even at work right now, I'm catching myself doing that where I'm starting to be angry about at certain teams or certain people because it's easier than working through what's difficult. Oh, right. And, it's, and so then they call like, that con- in conflict resolution, that's the avoider. Yeah. Right. And, and yeah. I'm totally in that camp. And so asking myself like, okay, what am I afraid that I'm going to lose? Well, really, I'm afraid that if, if we work through this and this goes south, I might actually lose the primary control. And I know what I'm saying, but <laughs> primary control of an initiative that I care about and created. Right. Well, then what would I lose? Like ask the question again, right? It's like when you ask why 10 times or whatever, Mm -hmm. it's like, okay, well, what would I lose? Well, I lose five years dedicated to something I really believe in and that I care about and that's gained traction and been successful. Like, okay, so what if I lose on that? Well, then I lose my network and the perception of value and success and the ability to have impact. Those things, I perceive that they'll go away. They may not actually. Then, okay, so then what do you lose? What do you lose, yeah. And I'm like, well... At some point, it starts to degrade, and right. you realize, like, oh crap! How irrational I, that is. Right? I really care about what people think about me, or right. what? I, yeah. I don't think that's it in this scenario. I haven't quite hit right. the thing yet, but, but I mean, that's real. It's like, what is there to lose? And then you, you know, now in this writings and, and and just Jesus. I mean, the person who, 
And the person who loses themselves is going to find themselves. Like what radically weird, twisted <laughs> language right. to so, send us down. And I mean, so like, that, you know, yeah. To twist that question though, rather than ask the question, you can ask, what do I have to lose? But then ask the question, what do I need to lose? That's what good. do I need to yeah. let go of? What right. is and the I was thing just, that's I was just keeping about me, to say, holding me here? What do, I was just about to say, if we count all things as lost, then what does it matter? <laughs> right. Yeah. For the sake well, of one, for us, sake bro. of for the sake of one thing, I know to lose is to gain, man. Yeah, yeah. You for know, real. And the things that we lose, you know, that I hold. So I found out that when I lost them, although it was painful and tragic in the way that it happened, mm-hmm. I did not lose him. Right, and as a matter of fact, I gained him even more. And so, so wonderful. And so you're like was it really a loss it was a loss it's yeah. a loss in my life but what i've gained far outweighs far outweighs you know and i and i would not i mean i love being where i'm at right now with god mm-hmm. you know what i mean i and like so, you being where you're right now with god. <laughs> it's better for all of us i think so you know you know and you know through through loss man yeah look at all the good things that have come out of i stopped drinking bro i stopped doing this Gosh, i stopped darn. doing that i stopped thinking that i knew everything i stopped with my pride and stopped my arrogance man. you know what i mean well mm-hmm. i mean i still have problems with like wanting to Started try to stop to try to manipulate things you know especially in conversations with with jill you know yeah. what i mean like I don't know why I'm just being so honest, but I mean, whatever. It's good. It's just like I find and I've observed myself being manipulative to get what I want, right? Mm. Which ultimately, obviously, I want my wife back. But you know what I mean? Like even to have manipulative to even receive a kind word from her. Right. Yeah. Wow. To, to even have one shred of, of, mm-hmm. of kindness from her. And I have to mm. manipulate situations to get that. Yeah. And it doesn't happen. And you're like, and then it makes me feel Major worse. Major disappointment. Exactly. And so yeah. once I'm like, dude, why am I doing that? Yeah. Is gone. Ooh, you know what I mean? It's good. That's done. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's, that's done. Yeah. Here's now. And I don't have to manipulate anything and I'm free. I found freedom mm-hmm. to be who I am without, mm-hmm. you know, like, am I doing this wrong? Or like, mm-hmm. did I mess up again? Or, or law, or no more law. That, no law, dude. And like, I, and I thought, and I'm not saying anything bad about her. Sure. I'm just saying, man, like I am out from underneath unrealistic expectations, not from her, yeah. I mean, not just from her, but sure. from yeah. everybody in my life, man. Cause I had a real problem thinking like, and the law only begets death, man. Dude, and it, and it only breeds one thing in people's life and that's rebellion. Yep. You know, that's Romans for you. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, right. I know the right it, thing. The law did one thing. increase. Exactly. Yeah. And so when we put law on people, mm-hmm. why are we so surprised when they can't meet that? And actually it pushes them further away. But yeah. man, I found dude, I'm free of that, you know. Well, dude, you know, Scripture talks mm. about perfect love casting out all fear. And it's perfect love that shattered the death that the law brought about. Right. And so people think that they can't be honest because they're going to be judged according to right. these lawful death-filled mercy expectations. triumphs over judgment. Mercy dude. triumphs over yeah. judgment, dude. And so I've been thinking about this lately, and I've kind of leaned into it a little bit, just this idea, it's it's the simplest phrase and you've heard it all your life. Honesty is the best policy. Mm-hmm. Now I don't do that because it's like, oh, you know, it's the moral thing to do. You know, I've, whatever. 
the reason that I've chosen honesty more often in the past couple of weeks than I have like all of my entire life because of the freedom that happens dude. when I'm truly honest. Yeah. I had a friend call me the other day, dude, I was struggling, bro. I was watching, I was watching these movies. I'm just like crying. I'm supposed to be working. I'm like, the Lord's messing with me, man. Ah, the Hallmark bro- channel, bro. To get you every single time. <laughs> it's Care Bears, bro. It's really, it got me that time, man. And uh, anyways, <laughs> dude, I, w- I was tender. I was weeping. I was breaking. Mm-hmm. And I was not having a good day. And the Lord was doing some stuff in me. And my friend called and I answered him like, hey, what's up, man? He goes, hey, how are you doing? And I paused for a second and I said, bro, I'm not doing well right now mm-hmm. at all. Mm-hmm. This sucks. Here's what's going on. And I just blabbed it on him. We had like a 30, 40 minute conversation. And guess what? I felt amazing after that. And guess yeah. what I didn't get from my bud? I didn't get judgment. I didn't right. get, oh, you're a sorry piece of crap. You know what the scripture says about oh, sin. Man up. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, I didn't get any of that. You know what I got? I got camaraderie. I got um, solidarity and like, hey, man, me too, and bro. encouragement. Encouragement. Hey, man, me too. Here's where I've been struggling. Even with my wife. Like, hey, I'm just going to tell you some things. I got to be honest about some stuff that's going on. And then boom, just bringing it out. And guess what? Man, she, so much grace for that. You know, but what happens? Doesn't that grace change I, you though? It changes you. If I live in fear... I'm controlled by fear and you're hiding too. And I'm hiding and I'm putting on a facade. And so when you're able to be honest about where you're at and the Lord allow the Lord to do some work in you and you just get that out, there's so much freedom to be had in it, bro. Mm. And he will always give mercy and always give grace, right? Scripture says, let us boldly approach the throne of mercy so that we can receive mercy and grace in our time of need. Mm. Mm. You know, that's all we're ever going to get from him. Yeah. So there's this, so I'll quote, uh, so this is a Carl Barth quote, but I think it's, it's to that honesty. So he says, when we speak of our virtues, we are competitors. When we confess our sins, we become brothers. Wow. Mm. Dang. Say that one more time. We got to get that. So when we speak of our virtues, virtues, virtues. we are competitors. Mm-hmm. When we confess our sins, we become brothers. <laughs> right. What does that do, though? The honesty levels the playing field, bro. The honest, yeah. yeah, the honesty creates the realness, man. You don't, you, because you, you can afford to be real. You know what I mean? You can afford to be real when you're honest. Yeah. When, you're lie, when you're lying, you have to keep up the facade, right? Esse quam videri, it's Latin. It means to be rather than to appear to be. You know Thanks, what I mean? Son. So to be, man is directly correlated to honesty to appear to be is fear hiding mentality, you know, and it's just, that's profound to me, man. man. And I just think that for some people right now, the major disruption in their life is taking a stance of honesty. Right. And, and saying, I can't do this anymore. Here's what's going on. I mean, man, here, here's what sucks about that situation. You can be as honest as you possibly want with the father and he'll never leave you or forsake you. It's promised, Mm -hmm. but we can't say the same about people. And and that's kind of sad and that sucks and it happens, Mm -hmm. but there's much freedom to be had in living in that honest and vulnerable place. And we always go back to this honesty and vulnerability. It's a place to be, but But man, there's, yeah. Yeah. And so let me just Mm. tell you, we are those guys. Like I'm, bro, I'm not going to, bro, I'm not going to judge anybody. No. I am not going to judge anybody. I mean, you got to send us an email, saltydogspodcast at gmail.com. son. Dude, let us, I mean, you need a phone call, you need an email, you need a Zoom call, like whatever. We're here to minister. We're here to listen, man. For real. Like, That's exactly right, man. I'm not trying to judge anybody. Right. Mm-hmm. And I'm telling you, there's nothing you can tell me that that I haven't either been a part of or done. You know what I mean? So it's like. Unless you stab somebody in the heart with a trident. 
because you might want to lay low there. for a little while because you might be wanted for murder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. man. Gosh, that's Mike, good. That's super good. It is good. Yeah. You got some words of wisdom for some people before we call it? You know, I mean, man, there's just... Tell, tell, tell somebody listening what the primary benefit of the father disrupting their life is. Allowing a godly disruption. Like you know, partnering, uh, yeah. Yeah, I think, I mean, the primary, God's, God's disruption is, is just opening a door to see reality. <laughs> like, see it a little more clearly. Uh, it's just, um, yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a great quote that says, reality is what you run into when you're wrong. Right. (laughs) There's, there's just this sense that, so when God's disrupting things, he, he, it's this invitation to partner with him to see the world just a bit more the way he does. It's good. And I, I, so you got to say yes to that all day long. Yeah. And I, and I like, I mean, we're, where we were talking earlier, if that only makes sense, if you believe that, that God is out for your good. Right. If if you if you hold on a place that God isn't out for the best of you, the rest of that's going to struggle. Right. Because why would I trust somebody who's not out for my good? Right. Why would I Why would I fall continuously for the remainder of my life? Right. Because <laughs> the fall is your whole life now. So why do would you, I do that if I don't think God is good? How do you help somebody from that place to the better place? Yeah. You know. I mean. I I truly would start with, I think Jesus's model is he invites people to come and follow him. And then the theology comes later, right? He doesn't ask you to get your five theological points before you're allowed to follow him. Right. So I would, or your degree. Yeah. Right. Like I would start by hanging out in the gospels and just reading about and being curious about Jesus is a, is a beautiful place to be. Uh, and if scripture is not really the healthiest or best place for somebody to be, and I've been there, like there's seasons where it's just really hard to be in right. scripture. Um, and it comes with a lot of junk sometimes. So I, shoot, I mean, maybe try what my dad did. Just, just jot down 10 dis- or ten disciplines, <laughs> 10 <laughs> blessings a day and send them to salty dogs. Like I, that'd be awesome. I, mean, I would love that. Yeah. You know, I'd love like to read some of those off too. Yeah. I think there would be. One, there's nothing to lose, right? To that question. Right. You have nothing to lose to count 10 blessings a day. And I think you have everything to gain. And You have nothing to lose but loss itself. Mm. What? <laughs> so I was I'd making a there. joke, but that's deep. Yeah. yeah. So that's I'd start good, there. Mark. Believe that God is good. Yeah. And I think, honestly, I'd say, what word, I mean, to say to someone who's struggling right now with any sort of disruption, we're not necessarily, you know, just about the pandemic, like anything, mm-hmm. um, whatever it may be, I just want to say honestly that it's okay. You know, it's okay to let dead things go. It's okay to not have to carry that dead man on your body anymore or carry him around because it's a burden. It's okay to bury that and let that leave that lay where it is, you know, and it's, it's just like you said, it, that only makes sense if you understand that God is there for your good. And he's not there to hurt us. Mm-hmm. He's not there to manipulate us. He does not need us to do things for him. He does not need us to start new churches. He does not need us, he, our, our finances. He does not need, you know, our mm-hmm. virtues. 
you know, um, all he wants us to do is be an object of his affection because we are his children Yeah, and to lavish his love upon us and to understand and to shed off our ideas of him that we've had, that we've held all of our lives, mm-hmm. you know, and to come into a new understanding and to a new place in complete and absolute trust. And it's okay to be scared. It is not okay to go back, you know, but the more and more you trust and the more and more you just take step after step, I swear to God, you know what I mean? I swear because I'm telling you I'm living it right now. And it is the most exhilarating place that I have ever been um, to walk on waters, you know what I mean? To, to just put one foot in front of the other and literally watch him put those things right underneath my feet that'll hold me up. Mm-hmm. And so I just want to give that to whoever's listening. It's yeah. okay. It's good word. You know, it's okay. Yeah. He may not need us to do any of that stuff, but as we as we walk with him and we grow in maturity, he invites us into those things. Right. And we in our in our desires will change to meet those. It won't Absolutely. be Absolutely. It's not I have to it's do not a to be grudging. It's yeah. not begrudging. It's it's yeah. I am yeah. so I will. You know what I, I am yeah. it's not I'm going to do this to be, it's I am so I will. Right. You know. Well, the beautiful thing about that true intimacy with the father and growing in maturity and identity is that you get to a point to where you can't help, but right. do the things he's led you to do and made you, right. made you mm-hmm. to do as you walk in destiny, you can't help, but live that destiny out because it's the spirit of God moving you to mm. do it. You're not forcing it. You're not working it. It's him living through you. It's like the, the disciples who were before the Sanhedrin or the, the high priest, the leaders. And they said, you can't talk about Jesus anymore. And they said, we can't help. Yeah. We'll talk about the things that we've seen and heard. Right. right? We'll walk with yeah. the father and we'll get to a place where we just can't help. Yeah. But do the things that he's asked us to do, right? Mm. Yeah. It's good stuff, man. Freedom, bro. I'm telling stuff. you, there's much freedom to be had in relationship with the Father. Breaking mm-hmm. yokes, bro. He's breaking yokes. That's what he's doing with disrupting our lives. He's breaking yokes. He's mm. taking us deeper into more freedom and more relationship. Nice. Less law, Less more law, spirit. More spirit. Yeah. Awesome. Mm. Sweet deal. Yeah. Well, you guys know the deal. SaltyDogsPodcast.com. Go check it out. Hit the contact us page. So I just mailed out a sticker to a listener today. His name's Ross. And uh, he went to our website and he scrolled to the bottom and clicked, send me a sticker. Send us his address. Nice. And I just put that in the mail today. So if any of you other guys want some stickers, hit us up. We, we mail that stuff out for free. Yep. That's how we do. All right, oh, Mike. Cool. We appreciate you, yeah, man. Thanks a lot. We'll yeah. see you again sometime soon. Hopefully it won't be a couple of years. Yeah, no Between kidding. the next episode. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. God. Quick, what do you want to talk about next? You know, I think, uh, man, there's a whole lot on the difference between freedom from and freedom to. Oh, and I think we right. could dive. We forgot to think. Of, we, we forgot to talk about that. It's all right, man. There's time. We'll cue it up, bro. It's my favorite thing on part ever. Is you know the quote like, "No rush. There's plenty of time in life, but seize the day." <laughs> better seize that. Better bad seize boy. that day. Carpe but don't. DM. But better don't, carpe that DM, bro. But don't carpe be in a rush. DM. Don't be in a rush. There's plenty of time. Yeah. <laughs> right. But, but, but seize, seize the, the day. day. But but you got but today's the only day. You know, got as long as, it, as long as it's called the day. You know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's funny. Awesome. Peace. Salty Dogs. Thanks, y'all. Out.